So yeah, as Phil said, we're continuing our journey through Malachi and we're reading chapter 2, verse 17, through to chapter 3, verse 5. And that's on page 871 in the Church Bibles. So feel free to read along with me. And if you have your Bible or Bible app, just get that open. And if you would like a Bible, just raise your hand and someone from our hospitality, hospitality team can bring you one. So Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all you do, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure this day of, coming, of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and, depri and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Thanks for that, Georgie. Thanks um, as well, Hongi, for, for that presentation about IJM. It's just, uh, it was really insightful, really helpful just to get to know the stats as well of what IJM do and how helpful they are. Uh, I get emails from them as well. I'm, a, I'm one of the Freedom Partners uh, that Hongi was talking about. And just to be able to know that there's tangible results uh, from, from praying, from supporting, um, uh, and financially being able to give and, and to, to hear stories of real people being rescued, real people given freedom. I mean. Uh, it's crazy, you know, because we don't see it. Uh, you know, Hongi shared his story about when he was overseas and he saw it in real life, but we don't see it here. So it's just some story on the other side of the world, but um, these are real people's lives. And to be part of that, I mean, it's such a uh, privilege that we have an opportunity to do this and to, to partner with IJM. So definitely um, get onto that, talk to Hongi or, or get one of the flyers at the back uh, onto their website. Let's get into it. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, I always like to pray and ask God to help us as uh, understand his word. So let's do that now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you that you speak to us through it. And today, Lord, we pray that you'll convict our hearts. Convict our hearts of what freedom looks like. Convict our hearts to, to see the, uh, the injustices in our world. And convict our hearts to be a people who want to bring freedom, who want to bring justice to a broken world. And we do pray for that uh, in your son's name. Amen. I want to ask you guys just a personal question. You can reflect on it. You don't need to give me an answer. But when was the last time an injustice was done to you? An injustice like uh, someone uh, who cut in line in front of you and you felt so annoyed and frustrated by it. Or, uh, someone who, or maybe you're playing sport and the referee called a foul on you even though you didn't do anything wrong and you just felt so unjust. The other week, uh, Heidi and I, we went to a restaurant to eat, right? And I don't usually get hangry. Do you guys know what hangry means, right? Hungry, angry. Um, you know, something, something happened that night that made me hangry. 
Uh, we rocked up at 7 o'clock, and that's already a bit later than usual than when we eat. Uh, so we were already a little bit hungry. It was a small restaurant, though, and we knew it was good food, so we went there, less than 10 tables in the room. Uh, and we remembered it um, being good, good service, good food. Uh, and so uh, this, was, this was already a hard decision for Heidi and I. We don't, we don't usually make up our mind. Um, we don't agree usually on food. And uh, so we agreed on this restaurant. We went there. Uh, we arrived, and I remember I made these strategic moves when I walked in, right? I saw a couple outside looking at the menu. I'm like, I'm going to get in before them. Heidi, let's quickly, quickly. You know, so we got in. Uh, we got seated first. You know, we had to sign in on the contact form. Uh, we signed in. We sat down. I looked across. A couple had followed us in. And they were looking at the menu already. I'm like, Heidi, order quickly. And so we ordered to make sure that we'd get our food first. I was thinking through all these little moves I was making. And 10 minutes in, you know, these uh, other tables get, start getting filled up. This couple across from us, uh, they order their food after us, and their food comes out in 10 minutes. And they got rice dishes. I'm like, oh, well, that's probably easy to make. So that's probably why their food came before us. You know, we, we probably got something a bit more complicated. We waited another 10 minutes. A, a family came in, and another couple. And, and and they got their food before us. And so we were waiting, and at the 30-minute mark, I started getting irritable. I started getting hangry. I, started, I asked the waiter, I'm like, hey, where's our food? You know, we, we were here half an hour ago. And, and she, she came back with our menu, you know, order, and she checked, and, and, the, and she's like, yeah, it'll come, just you know, be patient, you know, sorry about that. She apologized, which was nice that she did. Uh, but I was starting to get frustrated. You know, people were, that couple that came in after us, they had already finished at this point, 30 minutes in, and they were ready to leave, and we still hadn't got our food yet. And I was just, I was starting to feel that rage. You know that rage you get in your gut? You're just like, you're shaking, you're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, uh, should I go to the, you know, the head chef or something? I'm going to go into the kitchen and complain. Like, I was getting irritated. I was getting, I was angry. Really, that was it. I was just angry. This feeling, this rage in my gut. You know, at this point, I wasn't smiling anymore. You know, I walk into a room, I'm smiling, polite, because I want to get good service, so I'm, I'm polite. At this point, I'm, nah, I'm shaking my head. Heidi can, Heidi can tell. She's looking across. She's like, calm down, just calm down. You keep you cool, you know? Uh, and so 40 minutes passed, right? And I said to Heidi, hey, let's just walk out. Let's leave. I don't care if they've half-cooked our food. Let's go to McDonald's. I'm starving now, all right? Now, Heidi, she's got a lot more grace and a lot more compassion than I do, you know? I'm, I'm not perfect. I, you know, I have sin. Um, I'm impatient. Um, but she reminded us, oh, Mikey, you know, it's COVID. You know, people in small businesses, you've got to support them. Just, you know, be patient, you know? I was angry. Oh, this injustice has been done to us. I made all these moves to make sure we got our food first. And I had to reflect on this. Food eventually came, and you know, at this point I was already angry, so I, I was critical about every little element of food on my dish, you know, in my dish, and I just had to cool down. And, and afterwards I, I reflected, and you know, maybe I was just being entitled. And maybe I was just getting petty. I'm that type of person who'll write reviews only when it's bad. And I was thinking, oh, should I go to Google? No, I shouldn't go to Google. I shouldn't write reviews. I mean, they're just trying to, yeah. And Heidi's just, you know, comforted me this whole time. She knows I'm annoyed and angry. But it was good. In the end, you know, we had food. But you felt that before, haven't you? That frustration. An injustice has been done to you. The nerve. Oh. And it was petty. I, I know that. You know, and, it, and it's petty sometimes. When injustice comes to us, if someone does cut into queue and you, you have to wait a few more minutes, or uh, that person in the parking lot, they, they snake your car park spot, has that ever happened to you? It's the worst. You get angry. But it happens. And it happens not in the allies, but it happens in a much larger scale too, doesn't it? Like what we heard today already. The injustices that happen in our world, the, the stuff that we see in the news, where, where innocent children's lives are taken, uh, a person is shot dead for the color of their skin. It's felt globally when we see pictures, images on our social media feeds of, of mal malnourished children, right? They're living in poverty. 
when there are images of thousands of people protesting the streets for rights that have been denied to them. It's such a, it's such a modern thing as well, isn't it? Because technology, it's allowed us to, to participate in these social media movements, these social justice movements that are occurring on the other side of the world. Whatever is their problem has become our problem, our reality. It's been exposed to us. And so we care now about these big social justice movements that are happening globally. You know, it's tragic, isn't it, when we see this stuff. I mean, it reveals to us how, true, like, how terrible it truly is for some people who don't have the same privileges like we do. We all want justice. And there's that thing in our hearts, in our gut, that makes us get angry when we see injustice, when we experience injustice, and when we see it around us. Those who trample on the weak, those who take uh, advantage of the poor, those who exploit the voiceless. And you see that cry for justice. The cry uh, for justice isn't something that's new, is it, for our generation? Right here in the Bible, in Malachi, this is written in about 450 BC, right? 2,500 years ago, you know, they're crying out for justice too. We all want justice in the world. And the question is, we're asking, you know, we're asking uh, today is, is God going to bring justice? Where is justice? Where is God? That's what we're going to discover as we unpack this passage here in Malachi. If you have your Bibles, let's, let's go through it again. Let's just read the first uh, few verses from verse 17, chapter 2. And we're going to see how God has a plan for justice. Verse 17 says, You've wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you asked? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he's pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So I'll stop there. Now, God has this plan for justice. If people are crying out, where is justice? Uh, God has a plan. Now, remember, this is Israel, right? God's Old Testament people. Uh, they just come out of exile, so they were in slavery themselves from the Babylonians at the time, uh, and they've um, come home. They've been freed by the, by the Persians. This is in history, right? Uh, we heard that they've already... Um, so far in Malachi, if you've been here with the last couple of weeks, um, they've given God half-hearted worship in their sacrifices. Last week, they've also um, been unfaithful in their relationships, particularly their marriages as well. Um, I find it so funny, though, here, um, this message that Malachi gives them, you, you've wearied God with your words. God is, like, legit tired of you right now. And I cross-referenced this uh, in my Bible, and it's actually in Isaiah 40, 28. I've got this on the screen. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. Yet here in Malachi, he says, wow, you've wearied God with your complaints, with your words. Man, the God who's created the universe is tired of you right now. You must have done something to really, you know, make him exhausted, drained him. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Maybe some of the introverts here feel that way. You just feel so drained by people's words. <laughs> That's how God feels right now. This is question, but it's particular with this questioning, isn't it? Where is the God of justice? Does God, is God pleased with the evil in this world? That's what they're saying. And they're implying something, aren't they? They're actually making a call. They're implying, a, they're implying his character. That God is either not a good and holy God, that he approves of evil, or he's a God who's distant, who's not sovereign, not in control. He's checked out of the world. Where is the God of justice? He's, he's not here. 
You see, in their context, right, they're looking around and they're seeing how the nations around them, they're, they're doing really well. All the nations around them are prospering, yet they're struggling. They're on struggle street. Where's the justice? Israel meant to be God's people, but why are they the ones struggling when all the nations around them, the, the wicked, the evil nations, why are they doing better off? It appears to them, you know, that, that God isn't doing any justice in their community. So they're making this accusation against God. And doesn't this question sound so familiar? You see this question, they're asking, what, 450 BC is the same question that, that many people are asking today. Where is the God of justice? Why is there so much injustice in the world? And so many, and I know, I've heard this from so many friends, they, they choose not to believe in God because they look at the world and they, they say, surely God can't be good if evil continues to happen in this world. Surely God isn't in control if there's evil and injustice that continue to be rampant in our world. Where is the God of justice? But let's see how God responds, right? He says he has a plan. Verse 1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you're seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord. Notice there are, <clears throat> there are two individuals here. <clears throat> Firstly, a messenger will come. Right now we're thinking ancient times. We're thinking that uh, a time where you didn't have Facebook or Twitter or news on your device, on your phone, where you get messages straight away. You don't have WhatsApp where you can just send a message to someone if you need to tell them something. You're sending people by foot, essentially, or by horseback to go send a message to someone, right? So uh, Kenny lives in the city, and I said, I, I need to send a message to Kenny. And Kenny lives in the city, which is, what, 10Ks? Something like that. And I'm going to send Tony, because Tony's the fittest... I reckon, oh, wait, more. Oh. Actually, Tony is pretty fit. Let's say send Tony. He's going to... Sorry, David. Um, but we're going to send Tony to send a message. So he's going to run 10Ks to get there, right? That's how you're going to send a message. And he's going to tell, uh, make a big announcement to Kenny. And that's how you send messages. It's really slow, right? It's really going to take a long time to get to all of you. Um, but Tony will be really fit afterwards, right? But that's the idea. You send a message, uh, you know, and a messenger goes first. They, you know, and they announce it. They, they blow a trumpet. They announce uh, the king is coming, for example, right? They're like an entourage. They roll out the red carpet and everything. Uh, I discovered yesterday, you know the word marathon is actually named after a guy? The idea of marathon comes around the same time, 490 BC. Um, the Greeks and the Persians were at war, and the, um, the Greeks won. And this runner, he ran about 42 kilometers uh, to go to Athens to tell them that they won this battle. That's where the word marathon comes from. He was a messenger. It's a great messenger. Anyways, for Christians, right, this sounds familiar, right? A messenger comes first. If we know our Bibles... Uh, for some of us here who have been coming to church, we know who this messenger is. Uh, Jesus actually refers to this messenger in Matthew verse 11, chapter 11. He says, this is the one about whom it is written. He's talking about John the Baptist here. And here, in John, about John the Baptist, he's quoting Malachi for us. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. How cool is that? Right, so what is happening here in Malachi is actually being fulfilled in John the Baptist and... I mean, the answer is given away. It's Jesus who's going to come. He's the Lord that's going to come to the temple. He's the king who's going to come. He's, going to, he's the king of the covenant, the Lord of the covenant, it says here in Malachi. God has a plan for justice. And that justice is going to come through the Lord Jesus. But before we get to Jesus, let's say a bit more in Malachi, right? Uh, let's think about where is the Lord of justice going to go first? He says he's going to go to the temple. Why is that important? He's going to the, the place where his people are. You see, while God has a plan for justice in the world, this, the first thing we need to consider first is, who is justice going to come to first? It's, it's quite confronting. Let's read from verse 2. It says this, Who can endure the day of his coming? 
Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. See, this is one of those things where we've got to say, um, we've got to be careful for what we wish for. The people are asking, where is the God of justice? Well, the God of justice is coming first to you. He's going to come first to the people. And there's this warning here, who can endure it? Who can stand in the face of his justice? He will be like a refiner's fire. He's going to purify. See, in one sense, this is great news. In one sense, it's, it's a warning, but in one sense, it's also great news. He's going to bring the justice and he's going to purify but in another sense, you know, this warning idea, it's, it's, it's something that uh, Malachi is telling us, we can't escape it. Even us as God's people, Israel as God's people, you know, that privilege that they have, they're not immune to it. For them, they're hearing this for the first time, like, wow, wait a second, wait, wait, wait a second, we're, we're going under review, we're going to be audited? Are, are you serious? We're, we're meant to be God's treasured possession. The nations around us, they're the ones who should be judged, they're the wicked ones. We're meant to be the righteous, privileged ones. And sure, yeah, they're, the, you know, they're the, the privileged people that God made a covenant with, but here's the thing. We want justice, right? Yet no one is truly innocent, are they? We want justice, but we're all a little bit guilty of doing or, or contributing to the wrong in this world, aren't we? Don't all our hearts have just you know, a little bit of what the Bible says, evil or, or sin? And none of us think of ourselves as evil people. Of course not. But don't we all harbor a little bit in our hearts? It's not so simple, is it? I mean, there's, um, you know, I was big on Greek mythology when I was growing up, and I was intrigued by that story of Narcissus, right? That, that guy who was um, so beautiful and so proud of his beauty. Uh, he was cursed to love his own reflection until he eventually melted away, right? He just was so in love with his reflection. He looked at it in the water and couldn't resist himself. You know, it's a whole, that's where that uh, term narcissistic behavior comes from, from this guy, this mythology, right? But it's so fascinating, because I think when we look at ourselves, there's a little bit of it in all of us. I mean, it's so easy to see it on social media. We all take selfies, and we want the right, you know, the right angle, don't we? We want people to see our good looks. We want people to see us in our best light. You might not use filters, but you want the right angle at least, don't you? Take a bad selfie, delete it. No one needs to see it. But, you know, even if you're not on social media, which many of us are, you know, are ditching at the moment, I understand why, but even if we're not on social media, we all want to put our best foot forward, don't we? We all want people to see us. We want people to see our kind heart, our generosity. We want people to see our, our smile, our, our, our manners, that we're good people. And many of you, many of us here today, I do believe are good, kind, loving people, but we think we're worthy of acceptance. We think we're worthy of validation because of it. Well, you know, look at us. We have it all together. But come on, let's be honest. Deep down within all of us, Within all of us here, there's going to be elements of, of pride. There's going to be elements of greed and jealousy and envy, selfishness, entitlement. I deserve to get served first. I walked through those doors of that restaurant. I was here first, and I felt that entitlement. None of us are perfect, are we? The temptation, however, for us is we look at the person next to us. Uh, not, the, not literally the person next to you, but the person next to us, and we think, I'm not as bad as that person, though. I'm good compared to them. And we compare ourselves to the worst of the worst, you know, the, the Hitler and the Stalins, uh, even Trump these days, and we think, hey, we're good, comparatively. 
We're not that bad. Of course God is going to accept me. I'm good, comparatively. Yeah, you love people. Yeah, you're not racist. You're not greedy. You speak up for social justice issues. You care about the environment. All good things. And I hope we will care for those things. But will you compare yourself to God? Compare yourself to God's goodness. How do you, how do you stand before Him? You see, all of us, me included, spiritually, spiritually before God, we all have a, a little evil, a little wickedness in our hearts. What's, it's what the Bible says is, is our sin. And sometimes sin are things that we commit, sure, like, you know, the, the, the sins like um, lying or stealing or whatever, those, you know, those, those outward things, but sometimes it's a, it's a sin that's just under the surface a little bit. Sometimes it's the sins of uh, not just commission, committing things, but it's omitting as well, um, you know, omitting from doing things that we should do, doing things that uh, we shouldn't do or doing things that we should do, right? And so sometimes we all have, we all harbor that. We could help, but we'd rather not get our hands dirty. We could help, but I really couldn't be bothered. I'm too comfortable right now. And so the question remains, the warning remains, are we able to endure the day of his coming? Are we able to endure the day of justice? Who can stand? The answer is no one can. And he's going to start with people like you and me, his people. Yeah, there is good news, right? And this is why I mentioned earlier, he's going to purify them. It's a good thing. He's going to take away all the impurities. He's going to, he's going to cleanse them, make them holy before him. And that's what he's going to do with his people. Malachi says the Lord is coming first to the Levites, right? And if you don't know your Bibles, the Levites are the priests. Uh, they're the, the people that are, are meant to actually, through their own sacrifices, purify God's people, so they're the mediator between God and the people, so them, their job is to purify through sacrifices. So far we've heard what's happened, they're giving God this imp, these impure sacrifices, polluted the temple, polluted the people essentially, uh, modeling and teaching that, you know, this half-hearted worship towards God, that's what we heard in chapter 2, but God is going to cleanse his people of this pollution. He's going to purify the poison in their hearts like a refiner's fire. And friends, that's good news. Friends, that's good news for us, because Jesus does that for us. And what Malachi is prophesying is actually fulfilled in him. Hundreds of years later, right, Jesus comes to the very temple, this very same temple in Israel, to his people. And then he comes to people like you and me, the Gentiles. He comes and he dies on a cross. He comes and he's raised again from the dead. He takes away all the impurities, all the pollution of our hearts, the sin, the evil and the wickedness that exists. When we go to Matthew and we see John the Baptist speaking here, the messenger before Jesus, you know what Jesus is coming to do? This is really interesting. In, in Matthew chapter 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, it's that same language, that metaphorical language of the fire that's going to come and purify us. It's going to cleanse us of our impurities to remove our sin. You know, this, this fire, you know, it's, it's this, this refining of metal and gold and silver to, to take away the impurities. At the cross, Jesus does that. He takes the judgment that was reserved for us. Justice has come at the cross. You know, we always think about the cross as a place of love, God's love for us, and that is so 100% true. But at the cross, we also meet, ju- uh, meet justice. Love and justice comes mingling down. It comes in the form of Jesus, the Son of God, who comes and dies for you and for me, who takes the judgment. He, the judgment is placed upon him, on the one who doesn't deserve it, the one who is perfect in holiness, who is the perfect sacrifice for us. And through his perfect life, he takes all those impurities on our behalf. He nails it to the cross. 
so that you and I can be purified. You and I can be cleansed before God. You see, God has actually answered the cries in history, the cries for justice. All the cries that we have today, where is the God of justice? Well, he came and he died on a cross to take the judgment that was reserved for us. See, what Malachi says is once they're purified, they'll be acceptable. The sacrifices, the the offerings will be acceptable. The pollution has been taken away. And for us, that means when we come before God and through our faith in Jesus, by His grace and His love for us, we're accepted. Go to 1 John chapter 1 as well, another verse I have here. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what Christ does for us. When we put our faith and trust in Him, we go through the refiner's fire. You know, His coming was the day of justice that Israel cried out for. And while some were purified, not all will be. Uh, there's a passage in Matthew 2, going back actually to chapter 3. So we read this verse, 11, the Holy Spirit of fire. Verse 12, he keeps going. He says, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There are some that aren't going to get purified and cleansed. Some are going to be burnt. The chaff is going to be burnt with that unquenchable fire. There's a condemnation here in this statement that John the Baptist is making about what Jesus is going to come to do. There are some who are going to reject God. Some who are going to continue to reject God even after hearing about God. There's some where judgment's going to come. And, and we don't like talking about judgment because we want God to be, to be loving, but God is also a God of justice and He needs to bring judgment on the wicked. Justice will come. Who can endure? Well, we can endure with Jesus who purifies us, with Jesus who gathers us to Him, who calls us to draw near. We could stand in judgment before God because at the cross, justice was performed and judgment came upon Him. But without Jesus, we have to face the consequences. God can't let injustice or evil go unpunished. If He is a God of justice, He can't just sweep it under the rug and forget it ever happened. If He swept the evil of my heart under the rug, then shouldn't He also do that for the person next to me, the wicked person next to me? If he dismissed the evil of my heart, wouldn't he also dismiss the evil of the heart of others as well that I consider might be worse than me? No, of course he's not going to do it. This is God. He's a God of justice. Some are not going to endure the day of judgment. You know, this is what he says in Malachi. Back to chapter 3, verse 5. I don't have it on the screen. Let's read it. It says, So I will come to you. I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. You see, this God who is powerful in control, he sees the suffering and evil in this world, and he's going to judge. You know, in one sense, God has in the past, He's already dealt with human sin and He's put the judgment upon Jesus. But there's going to be a second coming where Jesus is going to come back, He'll appear again, and judgment and condemnation is going to come for those who haven't put their trust in Jesus. So let me plead with you firstly, put your trust in Him. Put your faith in Him. See His love and His grace for you, that you've been saved not by your works, not by your your good works, your morality, 
but because God has chosen to love you and to show himself to you. Put your trust in him because he's given you the, the perfect sacrifice in Jesus. You see, while Malachi tells us about justice, uh, we also need to address our own hearts, don't we? The warning. We need to also see how, uh, and how am I going to live as a response to that? You see, when God here talks about uh, his, his, uh, his justice, he talks about those who are treated unjustly, doesn't he? We look around the world and we can see it. Why do we see it? Why do we care? Because God cares. You see, we look at human beings around the world who are trampled upon, who don't have a voice, who are exploited. The fatherless, the widows, the, one, the foreigners who are deprived of justice, the refugees, those who are struggling. And they're human beings too, aren't they? Just like you and me. Human beings made in the image of God, loved by God, created by God, loved by Him. How can we not have compassion on them too? It just seemed fortunate or blessed for you and I that we grew up in the, in the comfortable West, that we had privileges that they don't. But they're treated just as equally with the same dignity as we are. And God loves them just as much. You can see that here. God is going to bring justice for those who are oppressed. Will we? Will we care about God's, what God cares about? Will we share in the same heart that Jesus has? What are we prepared to do about it? Let me take you to Titus chapter 2. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, so the second coming of Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, listen to this, eager to do what is good. If we have been purified, if we've been saved in Christ, then we're called to share the same heart as God, to do good in our world, to care for those who are, who are oppressed. If we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, aren't we inspired, no, aren't we empowered to do good in our world? To do good as someone who follows a crucified Lord and King. To do good because the sovereign God has done good to you. See that verse 5 in Malachi? It's a, really, it's a call for us, there's an implication. To do good, just like Jesus did. To do justice in our world. To care for the social welfare of those who are oppressed. The voiceless, the exploited, the widows, the orphan, the refugee in our midst. How can we not stand up for good if we've received good from God? How can we not see those around us in our world who are struggling, suffering, and not have a heart of compassion too? See, our vision at Providence, loving Jesus, loving each other, and loving our world. It's more, the faith, our Christian faith is more than us. It's more than our church here at Providence. There's a world out there who needs to know the love of God. There's a world out there of people who are oppressed, who are treated unjustly. People who are made in the image of God, just like you and me, beautifully, equally, yet they're exploited and trampled upon. How can we who have received the good news and seen the justice of God at the cross how can we not stand up for the voiceless? Today is Freedom Sunday for Providence. We want to uh, think about freedom in our world, bring freedom to others. We want to partner with International Justice Mission to bring freedom to the oppressed. There are, there are people, right, like, like Hong Yishet, people abused and raped and trafficked in slavery. It's happening everywhere. 
You know, I've read some of the stories. Young, young women who are looking for work because they're desperate. They want to look after their families. So they walk into a bar hoping that they'll get work, but then they're kidnapped and exploited in the sex industry. You know, I have heard, this is secondhand information, but I've heard that there are women from overseas that are brought here to Australia, and they've been found right here in our suburb in Sunnybank, in the back, in the back room of businesses, trafficked here in Brisbane. It's in our own backyard. It's not only the sex industry, it's seen in uh, corrupt businesses, right, who, who force people into labor and they threaten their families if they don't work for them. Long hours, no pay, no compensation. I've read the stories where they're alone on these farms or in these factories, uh, sometimes working in slavery for over 20 years before they're found and they're rescued. It's heartbreaking. I love that IJM has this vision to end slavery in this lifetime. It's a big vision because there's still 40, over 40 million people in slavery today. And I love, though, that they're working with local governments, police, to crack down on this. But you know what? IJM, today is Freedom Sunday, but they're just one of many organizations that we can partner with. Uh, if you've been around here, you know that we partner with Compassion as well. Compassion is an organization whose vision is to alleviate poverty in the name of Jesus. We partner here. We, we sponsor children. Many of us here sponsor children so they can know the hope and love of Jesus while also getting an education and getting food on the table. And with these organizations, we partner with them because they not only bring life and hope in the short term, but they're giving hope for eternity as well. They bring the message of Christ, true freedom to people who are oppressed. Friends, will you stand with me for justice in our world? Will you start questioning, where are you buying your clothes from? Will you start asking, where is your coffee sourced from? Will you start considering, how can you play a role for social justice in our world? And think bigger than just our own little lives here. See, there's, a, there's an answer to that question. Where is the God of justice in a world full of suffering and evil? Well, the God of justice came. And he took the suffering and evil and bore it on the cross for you and for me. And this God of justice is going to return. He's going to bring the final judgment to this earth. But in the meantime, for people like you and I, he calls us to perform justice, to do good to be instruments of peace, to be bringers of freedom to the downtrodden, to the, to the exploited, to those who don't have a voice. Those who, just like you and I, are made in God's image, who need rescuing. You know, it's interesting. There are, there are a lot of people who do good in our world. There are a lot of organizations. They're not, they're not Christians. They, they do social justice, and that's great. And, and I'm glad that there are people who care about the ills of the world, and they put their time and money into these causes to help the vulnerable. You know, but the question is going to still remain. For us all, when we stand before God, will we be able to endure His justice? And I think the temptation for our society, you know, is that we want human progress. We want, uh, we, you know, especially our generation, we'll stand up for justice, right? Millennials, we're all about social justice. Uh, you know, it's, it's something social media, I think, has really just force-fed us. Uh, we share in the plights of, of refugees. We, we speak up for Black Lives Matter. We seek justice for those in human trafficking. And we want this progress, and we want goodness. We want to create this, this sort of human utopia in this world. But often many, we, we want this world without God. We want this social justice world without the, the God of justice. Uh, there's this book called Disappearing Church by Mark Sayers. He's a cultural commentator and a pastor. Uh, a great podcast called The Cultural Moment. You should listen to it. He says our generation wants the kingdom, all the good things of the kingdom, without the king. 
We want all the blessings. We want all the things that give us human flourishing that God desires for us as well, that God wants for us, that God created us to have. We want all the gifts, but we don't want the giver. We want the justice, but we don't want the judge. If God cares about social justice, you know, this is what people think. If God cares about social justice like I do, oh, I'm, I'm all for God. You know, I'm all for God, the, the God of justice. I'll be on board with the church thing. But once God starts going to other areas of my life, once he's king over other things, oh, I'm not so sure. You know, we care about social justice, but when it comes to, uh, say, abortion, oh, man, I, or I can't sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend until marriage, oh, maybe I'll pass on God. Sure, the social justice thing is cool. I like that about God, but not the rest of the Bible stuff. Isn't that true? We want the kingdom without the king. You know, human progress, it tells us that we decide what is good for human flourishing. Human progress means society decides that for us. Society is made up of fallen human beings, just like you and I, who have greed and selfishness and pride in their hearts. We need the God of justice to enact justice. We need the God who is good and creates good and is the source of our moral law, the source of justice itself. You see, that desire to help the vulnerable, that's a God-given desire. The reason why your heart breaks when you hear stories of trafficking is because God created us that way. Yet we want the kingdom without the king. And we all need to be honest with ourselves, don't we? The world we live in is, is, is the world we, the world we have because it comes on the back of injustices in the world. We're all complicit whether actively or passively. We live in the comfortable West with our expensive gadgets and nice clothes, yet forget that much of it comes from that factory in that other country where the worker is underpaid, overworked, living in poverty. We're all complicit. And it's right for us to cry out for justice. But you know, none of us are innocent. We need a savior. And we need the God of justice to come. We need Jesus to refine our hearts, to save us from the judgment that's to come. And only when we can see the good, the grace that God has poured on us, only then will we be empowered to do good for the sake of God. Let me encourage you today, put your trust in Jesus, do good. Bring love and hope to the vulnerable in our world. Yeah, sure, sign up for, to be a freedom partner. Get onto compassion, sponsor a child in poverty. Get on your knees and pray for our world. Not just for our needs each day, but to educate, to be aware, to speak up for what's happening. I mean, there are so many things. There's a refugee crisis that's happening. There are refugees on our doorstep looking for a place. They've escaped uh, war. They, they don't have a home anymore. And these are educated people, people who, are, uh, who, who, who were well-respected in their hometowns, but we treat them like trash here in Australia. There's systemat systematic, systemic sorry, racism that still occurs. Those who, who are treated because of the color of their skin oppressed for that reason. There are those, as we heard, who are living in real modern-day slavery. There are, there are many unborn lives that are killed in our very own hospitals and dismissed as unwanted pregnancies. And it breaks my heart that the dignity and honor that God has created human beings with has been stripped of these people. Friends, I'm just as guilty, I'm just as complicit as the next person. Let's work together. Let's, however we can, let's, let's keep seeking God and seeking freedom for the oppressed. Not just, not just on this one Freedom Sunday a year, but weaving it into our lives and being aware of the injustices that happen in our world each day. 
Let's be a voice for the voiceless. Let's bring a message of hope and justice in Jesus to a world desperately seeking for it. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your, your justice, that you're a God of justice, you're a God of love and justice, that in Christ, Lord, justice came, and in, in Jesus, Lord, all the sin, the wickedness, and the evil was taken upon him. He, was, he took it, and he nailed it to the cross. He suffered for our sin, for the judgment that was reserved for us. We're so undeserving of that, Lord. We're so undeserving of your grace and your love. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll give us a heart, that your spirit will work in us. Help us to be a people who are, who are aware, people who are, are, are repentant people, people who, who care about the, the ills of the world around us. Help us to be a people who uh, will be willing to educate ourselves and others, willing to get on our knees and pray, willing to even um, support and financially help these organizations that are doing good in our world. Help us to play a part. Help us to contribute to these, these causes. Help us to um, play a role in bringing real freedom to people around us. Lord, we can only do this. We will only have this desire when you give that to us, when you, you give us a real deep uh, conviction of the, of the needs in our world, that we are undeserving and, and that we, you've called us to do good. And by doing good, we draw near to you. We, we get an insight into your heart for those around us. And so we pray for that, Lord. Do that in our hearts. Help us to be a, a church that cares, that, that, that wants to love our world. And so we pray for that in your son's name. Amen.